Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Danny, for those of you who don't know. I'm one of the pastors here. Um, and before we go into a pretty short message, um, I just want to say that this is a very special Sunday. Um, we actually have three baptisms that are going to happen today after I'm done. Yes. So another thing to celebrate is that I'll be very short. Yeah. Um, and I promise I can prove it. I only have three pages, and I usually have five or six. Um, so... Yeah, I, it, this is a special Sunday. It's not Easter. It's not like Christmas Sunday. It's in the middle of October, um, but it's just as special. We're going to be baptizing three of our, or two sisters and a brother today. And uh, yeah, so the sermon is going to be really short, more like a devotional than anything, um, because we want to really center our service around this awesome calling and this uh, act that's going to happen of worship between these individuals, but not just you as an observer, but also as a participant in this baptism. You may not be the one up here, but I just want to encourage, encourage us that when our friends do come up, that in your prayers to them, in your listening, in your worshiping with them, that you actually participate in the service, because baptism isn't just something like, you know, entertainment for us to watch, but something as a church to participate in. Um, so yeah, it's a special Sunday, so it's going to be awesome. Um, and before I do get into the sermon, uh, I wanted to share something just a little bit or quickly from my life. And most of you, well, I don't know most, but a lot of you I'm sure have known that for the past, or since the spring, um, my mom has been kind of in the fight with uh, pancreatic cancer. And uh, she's gone, it's been, it seems like it's been forever now, but uh, she, the way that her treatment started was through chemo and um, after a handful of sessions, and she, and she was doing well from that, um, she moved on to radiation therapy. Um, and that was supposed to be 28 sessions of radiation. And uh, recently, she, on Thursday, she had her last one. Um, and this is just a, a photo of my mom and my sister at the hospital with her certificate for having her last radiation session, and also a bell that they have you ring when you finish. Um, and this is us at dinner that day celebrating um, we don't know what's going to come, and just because she finished her last session, it doesn't mean that the fight is over, and in fact, it could be far from it, to be honest. Um, but we wanted to stop and celebrate at every point in which we could, and this is a pretty awesome time that we were able to spend as a family. And a lot of you guys as a church have been, oops, have been supporting us and um, praying for us, and I just wanted to stop and say thank you. Uh, even the fact that we got to this point is a huge victory. Um, if you know much about different types of cancers, in particular pancreatic. Um, and so, yeah, we had a very special dinner on Thursday, celebrating, thanking God, and just eating seafood together, and paying a little bit extra money for nicer food, and um, it was a nice time as a family. But I just wanted to ask you to please continue to pray with us, and, uh, and to stop to say thank you that um, this body has really rallied around us um, and we feel it, and we, we know that it's, 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 um, that God is hearing your prayers as well. Um, so yeah, thank you for doing that. Um, let me, uh, thank you, thank you. Um, let me pray for us, and then, and then we can begin. Father, we are so grateful to be here, um, Some of us probably, or most of us probably didn't even stop to think about that because on Sundays we just come to church and it's kind of a typical thing. And some of us are new and we're here for the first time, but we thank you, God, that we have a place to be amongst brothers and sisters in Christ, amongst family, amongst friends. Um, And Father, I want to pray for everyone, whether they have been here for 10 years or more, 
or someone who's here for their first time, that we would all really learn to embrace one another and that truly that this church should be seen as the family of God who loves all and embraces all. And it's not because we're just friendly people, because we're not. We're, we're sinful and messed up in our own ways, but it's because of the embrace that you have shown us that we long to emulate and follow. So be with us this day as um, we just learn a little bit more about who Jesus is as we've been going through this series, but uh, especially as we're really excited to hear the testimonies and see the baptism and participate in it with our three friends that are to come. So we thank you for this space. We thank you for this time. We thank you for this body. We thank you for everything that you are. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so I want to, uh, we're going to skip straight to the text. And if you have your Bible on you, you can either um, open up to Luke chapter 1, or you can read along with me on the screen. And uh, if you're opening, I'll give you a second to do that. Um, and we're going to be reading from verse 26. And this is actually a passage that we read a few weeks ago. Uh, when Pastor Hojin started the series of the story of Jesus with us, um, he read a handful of passages, but this is one of them. And in particular, he focused on Jesus's name. And I'm going to be focusing on a, a few different verses and, and, and highlighting something else. Um, but we're going to read this together again. So Luke chapter 1, starting from verse 26. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. And you shall call his name Jesus. Verse 32. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So this passage as we just read is the account of Mary and her interaction with Gabriel. And we've, uh, if you've been to church around Christmas time, you're probably familiar with it. Gabriel goes and lets Mary know what's about to happen, that she's a virgin, but she's pregnant. And uh, she's not just bearing any other kid, but this is the Son of God. Is, and again, Pastor Hojan mentioned how she named, or he told her to name him Jesus, meaning God saves. Um, but I want to particularly focus on a couple of verses in the middle. 32 through 33. And reading this again, uh, Luke writes, He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, I want to argue that if we just kind of, you know, we're in the narrative mode, kind of hearing the, the Christmas story, or if you will, uh, kind of, you know, going through, and it's more narrative, and we're not particularly focusing on details, um, I want to argue that we can very easily miss a huge part and significant, I want to even say foundational component into understanding the gospel as a whole. If you were an original audience member and heard, or or somebody say, or somebody, or if Luke were to say, or somebody, if you read this in text saying, in this verse right here, the throne of his father David in the middle in verse 32 most likely, you, you had all these bells going off in your head. 
Because all Old Testament prophets were talking about how the Messiah, the one that Israel had been waiting for, the coming king, would come from David's seed, from David's line. And so you hear this from an angel, and you're like, okay, something is going on here. And let's focus on a few words in red. And the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. He will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Now, what Gabriel was doing here was not what we tend to kind of jump to, that the angel was announcing the one who would come and take the sins of the world, right? The Savior, and, and, and the one who's going to allow me to go to heaven when I die. Or the one who is going to, you know, I'm on this cliff, and God is on this cliff, and he builds a cross so I can walk over to the other side, right? Not that those things aren't true, but I'm saying that's, wasn't his primary announcement. What he was announcing, you see all this language? It's, it's kingship language. Throne, reigning, kingdom. And what I want to talk about in this devo slash sermon um, is the kingdom of God and how that is such an important component of us understanding the gospels, understanding scripture, understanding who God is and who we are, that if we glance over, if we miss it, or we never talk about it, um, yeah, we would be at a loss, I feel. And the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, kingdom is mentioned over 60 times. And if you were to combine all of it in the New Testament, it's over 160 times. 160. So clearly the kingdom of God is an important thing for us to stop and study. Um, and I could hardly in 15 minutes encompass that. I mean, people write books about it and it's still incomplete. Um, but what I want to do is, you know, okay... We've established it. Gabriel established it. We're living in the kingdom of God. Jesus' coming and the announcement, the proclamation of his birth, meant that he was inaugurating the kingdom of God here on earth, so we're in it, right? If that's established, uh, what I want to do is focus more on how that practically affects us. So what does it mean? So, okay, we're living in the kingdom of God, like, so what? And just two really quick points. First, uh, and I'm phrasing it starting with living in Jesus' kingdom. So living in Jesus' kingdom means we're called to spread his word. Living in Jesus' kingdom means we're called to spread his word. One of our primary call as a Christian, calls as a Christian is to be proclaimers in the way that Gabriel the messenger was, the angel, that we are to proclaim the word of God. And, and I, I want to be a little bit careful because we often like sing or pray or say about how we like build God's kingdom. And there's actually nothing in scripture that says that humans could build God builds kingdom. He uses you as a tool, as an instrument to build his kingdom. Um, but one of the ways, primary ways that he uses us as an instrument to build his kingdom is by being preachers of it, of sharing the good news, telling others of who he is and what he's done. And the cool thing is we're going to hear testimonies when people do exactly that, telling about what God has done in their life and what Jesus has done in the world. Um, is anybody here watch? Not, okay, not the new ones, but did anybody watch Star Trek on TV a long time ago? It's kind of old, right? Some? <laughs> except, for, except for you. Does this mean anything to you? Yeah? No? Most of you are thinking this, right? <laughs> Do you guys even know what this is? No? <laughs> well, this is new. Hunger Games. This is Star Trek. Anyways, so there's an episode in Star Trek a long time ago. If you look at these little fuzzy guys, um, uh, those are called tribbles. And there was an episode in Star Trek um, in which 
you know, the whole episode was about tribbles, these little fuzzy creatures. Um, and what happens is that they, the Starship Enterprise runs into a problem because tribbles, they start reproducing and multiplying really quickly. And they're, you know, going to, like, they can't control the, the population of them. And they're bounding and they're going to, like, fill up every crevice. And they're, like, kind of panicking. And what do we do about these creatures? And the reason why, like, the reason why they were able to multiply so quickly because, was because tribbles were actually born pregnant. So as soon as they came into being, as soon as they took their first breath and became alive, they actually instantly started the process of multiplication. I have a lot of illustrations about pregnancy for some reason. I don't know why. You know, you guys have heard me say it before. But they, they, as soon as they came into being, they started multiplying in their infancy or is immediately as they, as they took their first breath. And so they couldn't control it because they just, blah, 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 and they all started going nuts, and then, you know, they're overflowing in the ship, and Spock is like, what the heck do we do with these things? And they just overflow. I bring up Tribbles, even though only one person <laughs> has watched the show, um, and the rest of you are thinking Hunger Games, but uh, I feel like Christians, we are like Tribbles, or we should be. There's nothing that, that Scripture indicates that you need to have some sort of level of maturity or some sort of exposure to Christianity or know enough about the Bible and have memorized enough verses in order to start telling others of what God has done. You may have only had one experience in your life when Christ came in and he said something or you, you had this moment where someone prayed over you or you read this one verse. But even if you have that one thing, you have that one thing. I think we're like tribbles in the sense that as soon as one comes to faith, as soon as one is entered into the family of God, one ought to be multiplying. One ought to be proclaiming his word, sharing and participating in this call that our king has of us. When we're a part of the kingdom of God, we, are never too, we never outgrow multiplying, and we're never too young for it. So we are called to do it as soon as you take your first breath in terms of living this new life, of being brought into a new creation. Um, but likewise, you'll never too, grow too old till your dying day will be called to proclaim what Christ has done. That is our call together as Christians. One author, Greg Gilbert, he says, Our role is to bear witness to what Christ has already done. We proclaim his gospel, imploring others to be reconciled to God. This is how the exalted Christ carries out his mission through us. One more time, our role, your role, my role, our role is to bear witness to what Christ has done. We proclaim his gospel, imploring others to be reconciled to God. This is how the exalted Christ carries out his mission through us. We're called to multiply if we're living in Jesus' kingdom. Living in Jesus' kingdom, my second point, is we serve our king out of our love for him. This may seem like the most elementary Sunday school point, but at least in my experience, I feel like it's got to be up here, and someone has to tell me this. If not, i got to write it down, put it on post-it, sticky notes, everywhere, because so often, and I'll speak from my personal experience, what happens is that my life in trying to be a good person, trying to be a good Christian, serving, uh, wanting to give back, like, it so easily can stop being founded, not only founded and rooted, but encompassed in its entirety out of my love for the king versus, like, my understanding of like the duty that I have to do or my responsibilities and obligations or like because I committed or signed up or whatever it may be or because you want to be seen as a good Christian or 
whatever. We all have our own reasons and pride and sin gets in the way. But I kind of want to bring us back and say, if we're part of the God's kingdom, if we believe it, if he's our king and we're saying we're following him, we spread his word, but we serve and we, we obey, not just out of, you know, that burden or guilt, but because we love. Um, Charles Spurgeon, he's somebody who's been, uh, he, I mean, he's been long dead, um, lived in the 1800s, and has been one of the most influential people in my life. Um, if I am reading, like I want to read Spurgeon, um, in terms of even learning how to preach in particular, because he started a preacher's college, um, he, tells, he, he, tells, he tells this cute little story uh, that I think applies, and I want to just share and read this story for you guys. Um, it's called The Tale of the King, the Carrot, and the Horse. It's kind of cute, right? Um, so listen. Once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew an enormous carrot. He took it to his king and said, My lord, this is the greatest carrot I've ever grown or ever will grow. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. The king was touched and discerned the man's heart. So as he turned to go, the king said, Wait, you're clearly a good steward of the earth. I own a plot of land right next to yours. I want to give it to you freely as a gift so you can garden it all. The gardener was amazed and delighted and went home rejoicing. But there was a nobleman at the king's court who overheard all this, and he said, My, if that is what you get for a carrot, what if you gave the king something better? So the next day, the nobleman came before the king, and he was leading a handsome black stallion. He bowed low and said, My lord, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse I've ever bred or ever will. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and my respect for you. But the king discerned his heart and said, Thank you, and took the horse and simply dismissed him. The nobleman was perplexed, so the king said, Let me explain. The gardener was giving me the carrot, but you were giving yourself the horse. Why do we serve our King Jesus? Do we serve him because we love him or because we love ourselves? Do we serve him because we delight in the giver or because we delight in his gifts? You know, sometimes, you know, at the end, you know, do you love him or do you love you? You know, it, it sounds kind of harsh. And, and at the root of it, I think that's what's true for all of us. And sometimes for some of us, you're like, oh, like, it's not that I, I love myself so much. I, sometimes I serve and I just lose sight and I forget and whatever, regardless of what area of the spectrum you are. Maybe you are a super people pleaser and you know that you serve because you want to make people happy. And some, many of you have identified that. Whatever our reason is, all of us, whether we recognize it or not, at some point, we're, if we lose sight and if we're not constantly being reminded of it, we start serving for ourselves. And I love this story. It's cute, you know, Carrot and Horace and the king discerns, as always. But why do we serve our king, Spurgeon asks. Do we serve him because we love him? Do we serve him because we delight in the giver? And that's something that we're going to have to deal with our entire lives. And in this snippet of a sermon, what I wanted to share is, yes, there's so much more to the whole kingdom thing. And you guys, if you've taken the gospel class with me, you know how excited I get about it. And if you want to learn about it, we'll spend five weeks talking about the kingdom of God. And still, you know, and it's exciting. But we're living in it. Jesus inaugurated the kingdom, and it's here. And we hear the news, and we see all the horrible things going on, and so it's definitely not complete. You all know it, but it's expanding. It's building. He's working towards it to become full in the time when Jesus comes again. We're living in it. 
And some two quick practical things that I want to call our attention to in our hearts to this morning is if we are, and if, if, if he is your king, if you follow him and his decrees and what he asks of his servants or the people who live in his kingdom, let's multiply, share what he's done, and remember that all of our service ought to be founded, built upon, encompassed in its entirety out of our love for him, our love for the king. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you that you are not some uh, tyrant who um, just wants to, you know, order his servants around. And, um, but God, we trust that you are a God who delights in, in the joy that your people take in you. And you are a good God who we know to be faithful and loving and gracious abounding in steadfast love and kindness. And so, Father, Father, we want to follow you to the end of our days. Jesus, we believe that you are expanding, you're building your kingdom up in here on earth. And we ask that you might, we humbly ask that you might use us for that cause. Lord, we know it can be difficult to speak about our faith in, in a harsh environment. We know we can be shy, and, and, but we pray that you would give us boldness. That what Jesus has done in our lives would be so, like, we would see it and remember it as if it was the first day and its significance and how much important uh, and the greatest thing that's ever happened to our lives. And with that excitement, with that fervor, never die down. But would you kindle that fire in order that this church, that these people, these sons and daughters of yours, would boldly and with that burning inside of them, Go and proclaim the good that Jesus has done. Will we be a church that multiplies? Not because we care about numbers or how many people are in this building, but, we, but because we care about your work in bringing more souls to salvation in Jesus' name. Father, we also pray that you would remind us that we would not take steps forward if it is not for our love for you and our love for our neighbors. Everything is for and by love, God. And we want to we remember that. We ask that your spirit would minister to us even throughout the entire day reminding us, God, to take each step because we love you, to go to our workplace because we love you, to study hard because we love you, to give because we love you, to spend time in community because we love you, to be patient and humble, et cetera, et cetera, because we love you. So show us more of yourself today that we might fall in love with you that much more. So we thank you for this time. We thank you for this continuation of the service and for the baptisms to come. And we want this service, from beginning to end, to be this great celebration of our God in whom we love. We thank you and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.